It's DTS-177, and we have a whole lot to talk about. The Bright Engram XP throttling situation has reached a boiling point, and we're now just a few days away from our final reveal stream for Curse of Osiris. All that and more coming up. You're listening to Destiny The Show. What's good, everybody? My name is BBK Dragoon, and welcome to Destiny, the show, the Destiny news podcast to keep you, the Guardian, ahead of the curve in the world of Destiny. I'm joined, as always, by my great co-host, Diddy. How was your Thanksgiving, man? Thanksgiving was great. We took both the dogs over for the first time to my parents' house, and we had a great time over there. Uh, there's not much of a backyard because there's a pool there, and ugh, there's not a yard. So they couldn't run around too much, but they had tons of fun anyways. And... I had a great time, honestly. That's not sarcasm. Great time playing Iron Banner on the PC this last week. It was much more enjoyable than on the console, just because I think I'm more comfortable with mouse and keyboard now than I am with a controller, and my hands start to hurt uh, holding that controller for a longer period of time, and I had some pretty good games. It's I do agree. I had a good time also. I think I only got like four or five, no, about five rank-up packages this first time around. Mm-hmm, same. I I looked at the Reddit thread to see, since it's the first PC one, <laughs> there was the post saying I did 42 rank-up packages and only got two of the armor pieces. What gives? <laughs> I had to feel a little bit of sympathy in my heart for those people because we went through it last time on the console. I am really excited to talk about today's show. It's been sort of a tumultuous week, but I think a lot of good information has come out this week. Been studying word, right? your PSAT words there, Mr. Dragoon? Oh, that, that's right, buddy. <laughs> Actually, I took the ACT, did he? I never had to take the... Uh, you didn't... That? that. Okay, all right. Shots fired. Sorry. I should have <laughs> taken the SAT, though. Like that. I feel like more schools take that. I'm derailing, but lots of stuff happened this week. Bungie came out and admitted the throttling of the XP system for Bright Engrams, which is a very weird thing to say and we'll dive into that story like i love the transparency but the timing of everything is just sort of funky so we'll look at that story in detail crucible radio had on john wisenewski and claude jerome of the sandbox team they ran an interview with them first part was this last week part two's going live this monday did he so we'll leave links to all that stuff in the show notes and then finally we'll talk about the curse of osiris like the final reveal stream coming up and how Luke Smith and Mark knows where they are getting involved pretty soon. So Diddy, let's dive into it. News. This last week, we got our first glimpse at the Infinite Forest with the Bungie reveal stream. And I think it's actually pretty great. Uh, obviously, a new patrol space is kind of expected at this point with a new DLC release and new ways to play, of course. Uh, they, that's, their, that's their phrase that they're going with there. And I can say I think there's going to be a little bit more replayability here as as opposed to just jumping into the EDZ and doing some uh, public events for, for some milestones. Yeah, I think from the Infinite Forest perspective, what they showed off is it looks pretty and it definitely looks like a point A to B kind of activity. How you incentivize it is really what's going to come down to the success mm-hmm. of this because let's let's face it. Destiny's moving and shooting is really, really good, but what's going to keep you coming back and doing it every day are the incentives, right? Not just, hey, moving and shooting feels great in this new space that's really pretty, you know? 
Yeah, exactly. And those that wall with the glyphs and everything with the modded weapons, there's it one quest for each one. I think that's I think that's really great as well. See, there's a missed opportunity there though that I know in in terms of simplicity and accessibility they took it the route of just side quests for the weapon instead of especially with right the vex and their theme of time travel and exploring all possible realities. I know a lot of people wanted this to be like a weapon re-rolling kind of station right. where maybe you do that quest 10 times to try and get the perfect version of the gun. There was a really funny clip of Cathalion. Did you see it this week, Diddy, of him just losing oh, yeah. it, wanting <laughs> that kind of direction for the activity? He's like, why wouldn't you do this? It's perfect with the Vex. But it is content post-campaign. I'm getting a little worried. I've got Dark Below vibes here, Diddy. I'm not going to lie. Destin Ligari from IGN put out a really good preview of Curse of Osiris. He actually got to go out and try the entire campaign. If you guys don't want to have any spoilers about the story length, just skip ahead about 30 seconds. He did say, Diddy, it's about a three to four hour story and that it really doesn't do a whole lot to shake up the formula that is Destiny 2 thus far. And Mercury is starting to look like a pretty tiny little donut to me. These live streams, each time we can play, your Deej is like holding them back on the leash. Don't go over there. You don't go over there right now. <laughs> yeah, I think the Dark Below comparison is really important here. A lot of what we've seen so far and a lot of what we've heard from the different news outlets is eerily similar. So I think if we set a good expectation here going into this first DLC, um, people will not be disappointed because they're not expecting as much. Um so yeah, let's uh, again, let's set a, an appropriate expectation for this first DLC and based on what we've seen. Now, coming up though, Luke Smith, we'll talk about this a little bit later in the show, might make an appearance. Well, will make an appearance in uh, the next live stream. Yeah, why don't you read the tweets that he threw out? Sure, so Luke Smith said, next week the Destiny 2 team, and that, that will be this week, of course. Next week, the Destiny 2 team will detail the systems side of the December update. It includes economy updates, vendors and acquiring new gear, tokens, legendary shards, investment updates, new reward systems for weapons and armor, gameplay updates, and more. Second tweet here. Additionally, Mark Noseworthy and I will be answering some questions and addressing community feedback we've been reading since launch. See you soon. Okay. So it's nice to have him chiming in. They have been quite quiet ever since the release of the game. These these are the dudes, the directors helming Destiny 2. This is definitely in response to the craziness that was the Destiny of the Game subreddit this week after the controversy of the Bright Engram stuff that was going on and some of the basically um, peeping under the hood of design decisions outlined in the Crucible radio interview. People were reaching sort of a, a boiling point in terms of where is our communication from the PR side of things with Destiny, right? You you phrased it really well, Diddy, in the pre-show. Do you want to take kind of a stab at it? Bungie, or the, the developer involvement on the different social media platforms has been very absent since the launch of Destiny, and that's becoming very more, uh, more and more apparent. And I think that if we just had that more touching base, hey, guys, this is just a very brief update. I know we do get the this week's at Bungie blog posts, but seeing more developer interaction on uh, Twitter, Reddit, Facebook, other social media platforms would just give us more, give us the community more of a sense that they're involved, they're actively listening. It's it's one thing to read about it in a blog post. Yeah, we're reading it, but to actually see the involvement from that individual person, whether it be a gameplay designer or even just like, 
uh, an HR person at Bungie, like, yep, I know who to talk to about that. I'm going to shoot your tweet over there and uh, get it to the right person. Just seeing that involvement would really, really make us feel better. I see Kaplan posting on the freaking Overwatch forums continually, dude. He, Blizzard, even at like Blizzard 2 developer, and 3 a.m. What's that? Uh, I was just explaining uh, Kaplan is the uh, the community oh, yeah. director for uh, for Overwatch. Thank you. Thank you, Shaw. Um, why don't we just transition then into the Bright Engram situation? Because that's sort of a natural pivot point here in regards to communication. So about five weeks ago on the Destiny of the Game Reddit, some players were discovering that even though they were playing events like uh, or activities like public events and seeing the little plus however many XP you earn from each one of those public events, the bar that moves up, the little yellow bar at the base of the screen, was not moving up in relation to the numbers that were being received. So the numbers, the little plus numbers, were displaying correctly, but when you looked at the bar, the XP bar started moving way less than it should have when you were completing a lot of public events in rapid succession. This led to a lot of sleuthing and a lot of you know stat-based analysis, and it basically looked like, hey, there's an XP cooldown that's hidden in the game, and if you are out there just grinding public events over and over again, or activities that you can complete pretty quickly, a lot like, you know, Crucible quick play stuff, then your XP was not actually being earned at the same rate as it would be if you hadn't played in a few days. Well, this basically floated in the ether that was Reddit for a while, and it gained some more traction, and we asked Bungie a handful of times, at least on the subreddit, what is this all about? No responses. Well, this last week, Diddy, Destructoid posts in the morning an article detailing the subreddit's findings, saying, what's up? Is there an XP cooldown in place here? And the very same day, Bungie responded with this statement, and I'll quote, Currently, XP will scale up when playing longer or fixed duration activities like Crucible competitive multiplayer matches in the Leviathan Raid. And XP will scale down when playing activities that can be quickly, repeatedly chained, like grinding public events. We are not happy with the results, and we've heard the same from the community. Effective immediately, we are deactivating this system. As a result, players will see XP earn rates change for all activities across the board, but with all values being displayed consistently in the UI. Over the course of the next week, we will be watching and reviewing XP game data to ensure that these changes meet our expectations as well as yours. Any additional updates to the system will be communicated to you via our official channels. And Diddy, I'm going to go a little bit further. I'm going to quote from Paul Tassie, a writer over at Forbes, big Destiny player. The stuff that he puts out on Forbes is just awesome. And so he goes on to say here, this is frankly a bizarre statement from Bungie because it's not clear whether this was being done intentionally or whether it was somehow an accident. If it was a bug, I would have expected to hear the phrase, this was a bug. But instead, they say, we're not happy with the results of the current XP scaling <laughs> system. Which, and I don't know how else to interpret this, comes across as, we're not happy that everyone found out that we're doing <laughs> XP scaling to reduce the effectiveness of farming. So we're changing it. This is a pretty big deal. If Bungie was doing this by accident, that's still bad, as testing should have caught this, and it should not have taken an army of Redditors and journalists to figure this out. 
as it has been happening since launch day. But if Bungie implemented this system on purpose, which is what the statement seems to say, that means they were consciously reducing the XP given for some of the most farmable activities in the game, i.e. public events, which in turn makes earning Bright Engrams take longer and would seem to encourage more instant purchases of Bright Engrams. End quote. Diddy, what do you make of this? Uh, I think uh, they got caught. Bungie got caught, and it was intentional. That is my impression from reading that statement from Bungie. And uh, can't say that I like that it was intentional, but obviously the community stepped up and said something and a change was made. I just, I think that was a very good progression of how things went. Uh, not the circumstances of how it happened, but the fact that something changed because of this is a good thing. Yeah, man. Uh, I'll finish out his last paragraph here and then I'll throw my hat in the ring because I feel like this is so shady. It just ugh, reeks of Activision. <laughs> and I quote from Paul Tassi at Forbes, Past this, fans have even pointed out that something like Bungie's double XP deal with the specialized Pop-Tarts packages mm. was technically having its effectiveness reduced because of the XP scaling issue. Right. The same goes for the double XP weekend, the Clarion Call. Today, despite the XP scaling system being removed effectively immediately, players are still testing and it still seems like they're not getting full XP earned for some activities, though that data is still coming in. I can understand XP upscaling, he says, for activities Bungie mentions like the Raid of the Crucible, where you often can go long periods of time without kills based on the mode or stage. But XP downscaling for killing a lot of enemies quickly in other areas of the game? No thank you. I, I couldn't agree <laughs> more with that. I, there is just something really shady in the fact that our raid ships, sparrows, and ghosts no longer exist in the raid, and all the really cool sparrows, ghosts, and ships, wh where are they now, Diddy? Yeah, they're, uh, they're in those bright engrams that we like to earn. <laughs> so either Papa Activision is pushing Papa Bungie towards this, or they're doing it together. It doesn't feel good, though, when you're subtly being pushed in this direction. I can understand Bungie or Activision's point of view on this, right? I totally can get wanting to put a system in, but you communicate it. That's yeah. what you do, right? You put something in the UI that says, hey, when you chain together really fast activities like public events, you will start seeing reduced gains on your XP thing. We do this to encourage you to play a wide variety of activities within our world. If you say that, it's still lame, but you're doing like the ethically <laughs> right thing to do, you know? It's still lame. I love that statement. And I agree with you there. I mean, if someone like working all week, right? And or, you know, going to school, whatever they do, and they set aside 6 hours on, let's say, Sunday afternoon to grind out levels in Destiny and they hit that cap or that limit to where it takes 300,000 experience as opposed to 30,000 experience to get a level after two hours, they've essentially, they feel like they've wasted those four hours after realizing this, right? And it almost seems like the, the XP boost uh, with just logging in for the first time that week, you get those additional uh, levels of experience and the, the Pop-Tarts promotion as well. It almost seems like yeah, after one of those, that's when the the effectiveness or the the throttling starts started to kick in, and they didn't expect anyone to be playing for a longer period of time than that. And 
that or they wanted to discourage that longer sit down on the couch and play for six hours that's that's a that's an issue but now of course they've 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 fixed it well they got caught (laughs) they got caught but i think yes they got caught yes it's shady business practice but they did do something about it and i'm not trying to apologize for them but i just think it's they could have said too bad but they didn't so it's kind of revealing right okay so reddit's upset about it and then the bungee forums are upset about it for about five weeks and then the day that destructoid puts the article out in a Mm -hmm. one week post battlefront apocalypse world they're like okay 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 we're we're fixing it i mean it was (laughs) thanksgiving week that they did this too so it makes me seem or it makes me feel like they definitely had a finger on the pulse of this situation monitoring it and we're ready to go with this if it were to get out of hand. And right. so it's just, um, I do know that I've seen on the subreddit, some people are trying to get a petition together to um, get the FTC involved and trying to get Kellogg's attention to be like, mm-hmm. yo, Pop-Tarts, how do you feel about this? Because perhaps false advertising. I can't comment on that. I really don't know. I think this whole thing is shady, but if, if it's going to go all the way up to the... FTC pop tart gate diddy (laughs) but Jim Sterling even made a video about this which is like that's getting pretty mainstream at that point so Mm -hmm. a lot of shady revealing things came out the last couple weeks about video game industry and uh, not a lot of them are good so it's a it's a good month or I guess the rest of the year we'll have to watch see how everything plays out here yeah there's a guy on Twitter at Nathan Insane or Nathan Sane who photoshopped a really cool concept UI diddy that basically combined Destiny 1's director mm-hmm. with Destiny 2's director. And I'll leave this in our show notes. It looks freaking cool. Like if Destiny 2 was kind of like a World of Warcraft expansion where we still had all the Destiny 1 content playable to us, but all the new stuff of D2, it's just a really cool, like get the gears turning in your head like, oh man, that would have been amazing. I doubt technically it was even a possibility. We talked at length about all the engine problems Destiny 1 had, so I don't think it was possible for them to just port the old stuff over. But if it was, I bet Destiny 2, if it launched like that, with all the D1 stuff in it, replayable with like the newer graphics, I think D2 would have been getting like 8 and 9 out of 10 reviews on launch day, you know? Yeah, I, I've said it once, but I'll say it again after seeing this picture. I want more than one playable space per planet, right? We got it yeah. at the end of Destiny 1. We got the Cosmodrome and the Plaguelands. Good point. I want the EDZ. I want the Cosmodrome back. I want new Africa, new Australia, new North yeah. and South Americas. I want to play Tokyo. the entire There's Tokyo concept art. planet. There's Tokyo concept art. Oh, my goodness. I need to see that as well because... What? Why? Why can't I play there? Right. Uh, obviously, uh, in the lore, as a guardian, we're the most important guardian ever. So we need to be at the front lines and not worry about the little fallen dreg who's causing trouble in the Cosmodrome anymore. But sometimes I want to go shoot him in the face because I just need to blow off some steam. So uh, mm-hmm. let me do that, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All righty. Let's transition into the Crucible Radio interview with Claude Jerome and John Wisniewski. So Crucible Radio, awesome PvP podcast in the scene. They've had John Wisniewski on multiple times for interviews in the past. Wisniewski is a senior gameplay s- systems designer on the Sandbox team at Bungie. And it says uh, the Sandbox team is responsible for controller input, 
the feel of moving through the world and performing actions. Player abilities, grenades, melee, vehicles, weapons, armor, and custom sandbox content to support activities like the raid relics or scorch cannons, etc. And a lot of PvP emphasis too, because when you're tuning how things move, shoot, feel abilities, you are no doubt impacting that PvP sandbox quite a bit. Now the interview is a two-parter. Part two comes out on this Monday. It'll be out by now. I really encourage everybody to listen through to the entire program. I read a brief synopsis on Reddit of the main points that were hit, and I got super frustrated. I was like, man, the devs are incredibly out of touch with this community. And then I went and listened to the entire interview, and a lot of the points from that Reddit recap were like straight up just wrong. I'm not saying that the devs aren't out of touch with the community. I think in some ways a lot of the design choices are like, why, why are you doing this? But some ridiculously important phrases and teams were mislabeled in the Reddit post. So did he break it down? How did the, the feedback for this whole thing go over in terms of, you know, we've seen comments sort of disappear and the reaction <laughs> from the community? And you had so, a super good phrase to me this week about why this interview occurred and, and the importance of it happening. Yeah, so in terms of the community's reaction to this podcast or this interview, or like you said, the recaps on Reddit and other social media about the interview was received very poorly, right? And mm -hmm. it was based on, I think, my opinion, on what was said. And it was, I dislike what Bungie is doing, not I dislike this podcast, I dislike these hosts, I dislike these Bungie employees, I dislike this interview. It was, I don't agree with what they're saying. And so I'm going to hit downvote or I'm going to hit dislike on that YouTube. And it was just very negative feedback, right? And it, you and I talked about this after seeing a couple different pieces of the pie and putting it together. I think that, or we think that, um, the, deve the developers at Bungie man, they get a lot of crap thrown their way. And sometimes it's just not their fault, right? And so my point is, this interview needed to happen. The, the Destiny community needed to hear this podcast or this interview because it was very revealing about certain design decisions at Bungie regarding certain systems or certain, you know, why is it PV is it 4v4 instead of 6v6 now? Or why did we get rid of this thing and go this direction? It was very revealing about some of those decisions. And I just think that it this it just needed to happen, even though it was so overly negatively received. I think that uh, it's it's very important in uh you know in what was discussed. And uh, I, I think it was great. I, I really think as a whole we're going to benefit from this because the cracks, we can actually see through the cracks now and uh, see see the insides and, you know, we can start to see how to fix it. Yeah, you can formulate a more concise argument now that we yes. know their specific stances. So why don't I just recap some of the high points if you guys are listening to this, you're like, what are they talking about? What did this thing even cover? So mainly it talked a lot about how the transition to 4v4 was an intentional design idea by the PvP team. Note that Wyzanuski and Jerome are sandbox team guys. However, the longer time to kill, 
as well as the much higher emphasis on team shot tactics, those were all very intentional design choices. Overwhelmingly, I've seen on my videos, people not happy with how much more of a teamwork-oriented game it is and how they feel a lot of the special, explosive solo moments from Destiny 1 no longer exist due to the whole design philosophy around, you know, team shotting behind 4v4, etc. Also, the simplification of making static weapon rules has made the dev's job easier in terms of balancing. And I've got a quote here from Wisniewski in which he says, they wanted the weapons to be easily talked about with other players. Um, and they also emphasize in the same point how they want players and people to relate to that particular weapon, not that weapon plus those particular perks. So a very clear answer on that. Um, the Crucible Radio guys did follow up with the question that many of you guys, our listeners, have, and us too. Don't you feel like you get the weapon catalog too quickly now? Since there are no perk rolls to grind, it's pretty fast to get the majority of the weapons in the game. Um, Wisniewski goes into a, a sort of lengthy answer, and I'll sum it up here. Uh, he says that, you know, I could do some lawyer talk and get out of your question, but I'm just going to own up to it. You get stuff really fast and really easily, and there's a significant portion of the population who are not happy about this. We know about it at the studio. We're very aware of it. He didn't give a follow-up comment, but the way he phrased it was, we get that there's a lot of you who aren't happy with static roles. We get it. And there's a lot of people who are not stoked on how simple the perk path choices are now. Here is our design decisions and why we took those routes. I think that's as much detail as I want to get, did he sort of the, the, the main themes of the interview, because I want to encourage people to just go listen to it for themselves. But like you said, the anger and the frustration shown on like the dislikes and the comments and seeing threads being locked about this interview, I really think it was the player base so frustrated, and it was the first chance we've heard since launch of a really honest conversation between the developer and the community and there's such a difference between talking to somebody and talking at someone and i feel like since launch we've been talked to and i honestly feel like the dev team in many ways is out of touch with the player base accessibility is important but a lot of times the longtime destiny players can feel like we've been forgotten about do you know what i mean yeah, I yeah, I know what you mean there. And I agree. I mean, it's there is that distinction between being talked to and being talked at, right? And, and it's it, on the flip side, it's listening and understanding. It are two very different things. Like, I hear you, but I don't care, right? That's yeah. that's a lot of people's response. Now, a lot of other people will be like, "Okay, yeah, I can I, I can understand your your discussion like your your points right there and it's those two things on either side are very important and very different and i think another really important part of this interview uh and i'll just touch on it very briefly and i encourage you like bbk said to listen to it the fact that each department within bungie seems to be having a lot of miscommunication um, and yeah. not... Yeah, that came out th in this big time. There they, there seems to be, or there seems to be uh, a lack of a unified vision for what Destiny 2 needed or wanted to be, right? 
Well said, uh, you yeah. have you have all these different departments working on their own vision, but they also have to work with other departments as well to make their vision fit the other department's vision. And they said in this interview, like when they were working the sandbox team and the PVP team, they were working towards two different goals and didn't see how they connected until very near the end of the project. And yeah. it's like it's like you're working on a puzzle, but you haven't seen the front of the box to what it's supposed to look like. And, you know, not being aware of where each end goal fits into one another is huge because if you don't lay the foundation correctly, then the house will just not stand very long. Yeah, I actually wrote a big quote from Cloud Jerome on this in which it says, throughout the development of this game, we learned a lot of things. And I think one of those things is learning how to like challenge what's in the game for different angles, right? More concretely though, like everybody that's working on this game, especially a sequel, understands the first game in their own way. And so a lot of competing perspectives just come from different places, right? And so that manifests a lot of times in some really harsh conflicts. Like Sandbox and PvP, as design teams, didn't necessarily have a great road together for a while. We were definitely at odds at some of the risks we were taking, like in terms of vision. And it took a long time to get to a point where we could see each other's visions and start to understand how we could not compromise, but start to actually collaborate in a way that emphasized what we were trying to do. And so we were kind of at odds, like you weren't necessarily finding solutions that were making either party super happy. And that was something that turned around towards the end of the project and a way that was super encouraging, like we work really well together now. I think we really understand each other's goals. And like, I can't even count the number of days where it was really frustrating to, you know, come into work because we've talked about this and daily play tests, right? And we're constantly just like side to side with each other. And when it's not working, that's a really frustrating day. And when it is working well, it's like a super magical day. And it's like everything is coming together and you just understand each other and you're playing and you're laughing. And it came back around in a way that I thought actually brought us together in a really cool way. So yeah, heartwarming, heartwarming tale. That was from Cloud Jerome. It's, uh, granted, this is a podcast, so you, this isn't supposed to be like written. It's not exceptionally eloquent, but it's an insight into, well, what do you mean you guys have competing ideas? Aren't you working towards the same goal? <laughs> Wyzanuski yeah. had a very revealing statement about that too. And he says, you know, big game with a lot of people and a lot of ideas, some things just don't make it into the game. That's kind of the role of the leadership team, right? Is to look at all these things that all these teams are excited about doing and patch together an experience that feels like it works together right across the whole game, end quote. So it's leadership. When you're in a company of what are they now? Did he almost 800? 700, 800 people, yeah. If it's, you don't have killer management, you're going to get, I think, what happened with D2, which is just a lot of conflicting, conflicting things, you know? Yeah, because the leadership team might have a unified vision, right? But it's up to each individual leader to communicate to that team or to their team what that vision is. And then within that team, there might be other different leaders within that, right? It's not just three people and then a hundred other people working, coding, drawing whatever they're doing it's it's literally a game of telephone between upper management to the people building the bricks and laying the foundation for the game and they have to 
you know, kind of interpret, they each have their own interpretation of what that vision is and they have to piece it together. And it's, it's difficult with a large team like that. It really is. And it sounds so segmented. The data team meets with the cable team who meet, like if you wanted to build the computer at Bungie, you'd have the motherboard <laughs> team and then you'd have the RAM team. Then you'd have the team who's all RGB and they're arguing about, you know, what kind of purple transitions to the right. bright red. It's just, it's crazy. I'm Let's sure- Let's take the computer analogy and be like, what if the motherboard team didn't provide the correct socket for the Boom. CPU team? Yeah. And it's like, shit, now I have to make it work. <laughs> yep. Because I built my thing and you just said it has to load. You didn't tell me that had to fit correctly. And so it's like, okay, that's a huge problem and a very exaggerated example. But it's, yeah. I mean, something like that can just drastically change things. And then it's three months to launch. Obviously, that's probably not a reality, but it's three months to launch. You're like, Shit, I got to fix it, right? Yeah. I can't just start from scratch. I've been working on this for three years, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that would suck. Yeah. So I think there's, to wrap up this show, Diddy, a few points at which the Destiny player can go right now. If you're super frustrated with the game, and I can totally understand that, there are elements that Diddy and I are really frustrated with, I think one of the options that you have is to just wait until the Taken King-style expansion comes this, you know, next September or whatever, assuming it follows the same cycle. Because I have a strong feeling with Christopher Barrett and a lot of the live team folks, you're going to see Destiny improve quite a bit over the next nine months but it might be a good time to just play some other games. The other thing I would definitely say is what matters way more to me than Curse of Osiris right now is the quality of life changes, the thing that Luke Smith tweeted about. What are you doing from a systematic standpoint to change what this game looks like from a daily player's perspective? That, to me, matters a whole lot. But I just want to encourage, if you're frustrated, if you're angry, if you're disappointed, channel that into a constructive outlet. Channel that into creating a really robust Reddit thread or poll or petition to try and get X feature changed, don't let it turn you into a, a toxic person, right? It can be really tough when you're passionate about this game. A lot of you, I know Destiny is like your favorite game. And if it's not going in the direction you want, it can be easy to get angry, but take that passion and channel it into something that gives you power. You know, Diddy, we saw it happen this week. The folks who brought forth all the analytic detail about uh, analytical detail about the XP stuff, that's the reason it got posted on Destructoid and the reason why the system was disabled. It's because a community member could have been super angry and ranted and raved, but instead they channeled that into a constructive outlet, which was here are the numbers, here is why the system is not healthy for the game. You yeah. know what I mean? And they were working on it for a very long time, like you said, and they, they had a hypothesis like, I think this is happening... And then they detailed out a plan and they provided the concrete tested, tests and they tested out what was happening and they provided that information. Like it was a very scientific approach and obviously Bungie responded to it like, okay, yeah, all right, let's do something about this. And alongside this, there were a lot of other examples from different games like uh, Overwatch. Someone on the Overwatch subreddit just provided a list of like, 18 different hero bugs for one specific hero and provided video evidence of that happening in game and in a controlled environment and top comment was a blizzard developer yep i'm going to take this over to my team we're aware of some of these 
Some of these are new. We're going to put them on the list. We're going to fix it. There was uh, a couple months ago on League of Legends subreddit, a list of like 300 bugs with a certain champion. And the writers are like, yep, we're just going to keep checking them off the list until we fix all of them. Uh, and it was, it's a good thing to see that constructive feedback be responded to so appropriately because it's like, yeah, this is information that the developer can use instead of the hundreds or thousands of angry tweets. Oh, you suck. Oh my God. I can't believe you do this. Who plays your game anymore? And it's like, okay, I, that, how does that help me at all? Yeah. Channel it into something constructive, that, yes. that passion or, you know. Dude, we're going to have huge patch notes in the upcoming shows. Thanks, everybody, for listening because season two is December 5th, which, dude, that is... Next week? I mean... Next yeah, week? The, uh, yeah. December 5th is Curse of Osiris. <laughs> That's weird. That is so weird how fast we're time is new going. We're so. Destiny content. It's exciting, are but... Move quick. Raid layer, man. Raid, raid layer is going to be good. It's, I'm I hopeful. hope. Hopefully. Knock on wood. <laughs> Where can people find your content? Twitter.com slash Diddy, D-T-S, D-I-T-T-Y-D-T-S, and YouTube.com slash Wooshness, W-O-O-O-S-H-N-E-S-S. All the links from today and more are on our website, DestinyTheShow.com. You can follow us on Twitter at DestinyTheShow, same name on Twitch, and our Discord is linked on our website as well. Tons of folks chatting, talking. Lots of fun stuff going on there. You can follow me at BBK Dragoon on both YouTube and Twitter. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day, and we'll talk with you next time. <laughs>